Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and welcome to With Friends Like These. This week, I am talking to British comedy actress Daisy Haggard. Among other things, she's the creator, co-writer, and star of Showtime's Back to Life, now in its second season. It has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, where reviewers have called it near-perfect, exceptional, and both extremely funny and tragically sad. Also, season two improves on season one in every way. Now, these reviews aren't that surprising, given that the show comes from the same producing team as Fleabag, and it somehow combines elements of almost every hit prestige series over the last few years. It's a true crime-ish seaside town mystery with trenchant social commentary and dark comedy. It is a show about Mary a 40-year-old woman returning to her hometown in the UK after serving an 18-year prison sentence. But that's not what the show is really about. It's about forgiveness and memory, sex and getting old, and specifically, what it's like to re-enter this fast-moving world after you've paid your debt to society. What does it take to start over? And is starting over even possible? I'll discuss all that and more with actress Daisy Haggard. Daisy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So right off the top, my first question is, what inspired this show? It's a really specific plot line. So a lot of things inspired this show. Um, On a very basic level, I was living at home with my parents. So I had, you know, in my mid-30s, staying with my mum and dad, being kind of made to feel like a teenager again um, and being told how to load a dishwasher. So that was one aspect. And then another aspect of it was that I, um, I've i always been really interested in how and we vilify women who commit crimes compared to, I think, how we maybe perceive or sort of uh, our views towards men. Um, I just think there's a sort of expectation for women to be an angel or the devil. And so I, I've always been really fascinated by that. Not to say that people don't do terrible things, but just the sort of, I just thought it was, we have an interesting attitude towards that. Um, and so I, it all came out really with me thinking, what would be, you know, what would it be like if you were a woman in your 30s with no job, no partner, when everyone kind of expects you to have all those things, but then also you had done something really terrible? How hard would that make your life? And so that sort of inspired something that doesn't really sound like a comedy, but kind of is. <laughs> I have questions about what kind of show it is, actually. Yeah. <laughs> On some level, it actually mashes up all of the most favorite genres from prestige TV these days. You know, like it's kind of like a true crime mystery. It's a seaside mystery. It's a female-centered comedy that has a lot of, uh, let's say, honest sex in it. Yeah. And it has a lot of social commentary. Yeah. And it is both... I say this with love, uncomfortable to watch. And yes, occasionally hysterically funny, but you're really writing a lot of different tones there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely its own tone, I think. And and it was never a never a sort of cynical move. That That's just because I believe that's what life's like. You know, I don't, I've been around the bed of somebody dying and we've all 
some something very funny has happened and I've been in situation you know I, I believe that that the, the reality is that you 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 move through with the tones in life don't you you suddenly you slip on a banana skin after breaking up with a boyfriend or you know like anything can happen and so I really love I really you know was desperate to write something that just was bold and and confidently all the different things if that's what it, if that was truthful and right for the story then that was what we would do was there a specific case you were thinking about when you thought about Mary's life story no there wasn't actually I think I just noticed um I just noticed a few a, a few different things whether it well I suppose you know I suppose I saw all the headlines saying Foxy Noxy about Amanda Knox mm. and thought gosh they wouldn't do that about a guy you know whatever, she, you know, regardless of the thing, it was just like, why are we saying Foxy Noxy? <laughs> you know? So I suppose things like that inspired the fact that the photograph in the season one of me that we chose for the newspaper photograph was a sort of posing with your teenage friends, looking, trying to be sexy photo, because I thought that's what the media would do in that situation. Um, but yeah, so that was really it. And then it, and then it was also those stories you hear when you're growing up, I don't know if you had that, but I feel like there's always those stories, the sort of terrible stories that happen about sort of eight, somebody who's 18 or 19 and something happens, somebody gets in a car with someone who's drinking or something awful. And these people, you know, we, you know, everybody, there's always somebody at your school or somebody that, somebody's friend of a friend, sort of tragic stories that kind of haunt you through your life. Um, so that that's something I, I, I've always thought about because there was somebody we knew when we were young who who had a terrible accident that was due to somebody else making a mistake. And I, so those things are sort of part of you, aren't they? That, you know, they they stay in your head, something they're sort of quite formative. So it was more that. And I mean, yeah, it's a big old mishmash of things. <laughs> I don't know if you specifically chose 18 for Mary's age, but I've been thinking about it and it's, it's a real specific marker in our culture, right? Like yeah. 18 is supposedly when you become an adult. Yeah. There's a big difference when we think about 17 and we think about 18. So to have her commit this crime at 18, mm. it's this place where she's almost a child, right? Yeah. And we might offer more forgiveness to someone who just happened to be a few days younger. Yeah. And also it's the point where I think for me, where I feel like my life began really, like I wasn't happy at school. So when I left school, I went, oh, this is life. You know, this is, oh, this is so much easier than that school thing. <laughs> so I think that was probably a significant part of that decision um, was it's just, just as you're about to launch into the, to this chapter, this thing happens and then you have to, you don't get to do that or live that. And you talked about how you were living at home, and that's one of the things you were thinking about as a grown grown person living at home. What that what the experiences of having to kind of renegotiate your boundaries with your parents. I'm curious if there was anything that you could bring to the other part of Mary's experience, which is this intense boundary that she has with the world at large, right? Like having to cross into society and re-relate to everything. Now, I know you didn't spend 18 years in prison, um, <laughs> but what, what, were, what are things that you drew from to kind of get to that? Well, I mean, beyond just sort of as a writer, having fun with some of that, thinking, you know, what would, what would be really strange now? You know, what, what, what is weird? So closing your eyes and thinking back to when you were 19 and, you know, and, I, you know, like how, how now everyone's just walking along the road, staring at their phone, you know, what are the things that you would be like, God, like that's, this just not like, you know, it's completely different. So those things were always um, uh, just really sort of fun to sort of close your eyes and think about do you know what I mean uh whether it be that your tea, your idol it, although she would have known that her idols have died it's not like she's been in a time capsule she's been in prison um it's you know enjoy enjoying those those moments and things that you would miss out on as much as you you, you making a comment on the world like the fact that you know she says why is everyone so obsessed with their phones and you know and she's slightly attached to some of her teenage memorabilia <laughs> um so yeah those things 
we're just like me and Laura Solon had a lovely enjoyed just sort of discussing and thinking about that and obviously there's a bit of um, creative license with that because people in prison do not you know as I said they are in the world there's it's not they're not <laughs> yes. entirely removed from the world but you can have a bit of fun with finding your crimper again on the other side and um, and we spoke to women who'd been in prison and people who've been in prison and um, and actually asked sort of simple and simple questions like you know what what was it what did it feel like what did you what, what what was the hardest thing or the strangest thing um and one woman was really interesting about clothes she said that she was so thrown off by clothes um for about a year after coming back because she was so used to the few items that she wore that the choice um really threw her and also she like miri had the choice that she left that was 10 years ago you know that was her choice she didn't have any money so the clothes she had were the clothes she'd had when she'd gone to prison so things like that we enjoyed bringing into the show to make it feel more real I think and uh I guess I have to ask about another thing you might have drawn from or had personal experience with which is have you ever cut your own bangs yes and if so (laughs) what was the result exactly (laughs) as in the show (laughs) I very very stupidly decided to cut my own bangs but not look at my mirror was offset from my sink for my basin so I basically leant over the basin cut and then looked at the mirror screamed and then went back and did it again I don't know why I didn't know I was so kind of clean cleanly <laughs> but I but I did that and then every time I looked back it was it was horrendous and I basically did exactly what Mary did <laughs> And did you actually cut your bangs for the show? I'm curious. Did you have to walk around yeah. with like the micro micro fringe? I ha- we had a wig in the first season, and in the second season, I just couldn't um, I couldn't be bothered to be in makeup for that long because I wanted to put my kids <laughs> <laughs> put my kids to bed and let everyone go home early. So I said, "Come on, guys, let's do it. Just make me look ridiculous. I'll look ridiculous for six weeks." And at the school gates, I got some brilliant looks. <laughs> so yeah. Um. I kind of want to go back to the the emotional kind of uh, reentry that Mary has because that's I think the the texture of the show for me, and I, I I feel like it's relatable for all of us, even though obviously very few of us have had Mary's experience. Yeah, I think that um, I think that she's um, I think that it is relatable, isn't it? Because Mary's sort of the she's the underdog, right? And she's 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 a an innocent in a sense and I think that's what's relatable maybe with with her she's an optimist and an innocent and she's she's trying her best in a world that doesn't really you know that's not making it easy for her so anyone who's not a, you know a winner winner you know kind of person <laughs> relates to Miri I relate to Miri she's someone who's just like I'm gonna have a go I'm gonna dip my toe in and then she gets hurt but she pulls it but she gets but she gets back up again and she goes in and, you know, she's a fighter really, but she's definitely, um, you know, it is a fundamentally a show about hope, I think, and forgiveness. And, and she's an adult beginner, which I think we can all feel like, right. We don't all, you know, unless you're some kind of amazing machine person, which I'm definitely not, you know, you constantly feel like, Ooh, <laughs> hello, here I am, you know, and Mary's like that but she's got this sort of energy and optimism, which I think hopefully makes her relatable and it makes you want her to, to su- succeed. Oh, you definitely want her to succeed. And I think the other thing, I think this is what you're saying, which is we've all had the experience of trying to enter into just even a small society that's new. Yeah, like a new right? job. Mm-hmm. And it, it can feel just as alienating or just as scary. Yeah. You don't know the rules, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, I wonder, are you like that? Like Mary, are you an optimist? Do you dip your toe in and then keep going? Yeah, I have a big cry though. You know, I'm not like, I'm not like, um, I'm an optimist who can go, oh, that didn't work out. (laughs) And then I, but then I seem to come, I seem, it seems to, I seem to come back again, (laughs) if that makes sense. So I'm not an optimist, but I'm not unemotional or sort of brazenly strong or anything. (laughs) I'm an emotional optimist. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Magic Spoon. You might think that getting more protein into your diet means either eating a lot of red meat or drinking chalky protein shakes, but it does not. You can get your protein at breakfast or anytime with Magic Spoon cereal. Enjoy the taste from your childhood and getting a grown-up dose of protein all at the same time. 
Magic Spoon cereal has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving, along with just 140 calories. It is keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. Also, you can build your own box with the many flavors that they have. Cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberries, cinnamon, cookies, and cream, and maple waffle. Magic Spoon brought back cookies and cream and maple waffle permanently. Now, when they were limited flavors, they sold out extremely quickly. So now is the time to try them yourself. I personally prefer eating Magic Spoon straight out of the box while binging on a TV show. It's a really good form of self-care. Go to magicspoon.com slash WFLT to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code WFLT at checkout to save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash WFLT and use code WFLT to save $5. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. With Friends Like These is brought to you by WordTune. Every year, U.S. businesses waste over $400 billion. That's $400 billion. Because bad writing causes confusion, misses the mark, or just takes too long to get to the point. Better writing can help you save money. Smooth and clear writing wins over and impresses customers, enhances brand perception, improves internal communication, and strengthens relationships with critical partners. Better writing means better business, which is why your team needs WordTune for teams. I'm excited to announce a fantastic deal. Right now, WordTune Teams is 50% off for our listeners who want to improve the writing of their whole team. That's 50% off. I have used WordTune on some of the ads in this show because I'll tell you a secret. The ads are not always fully written when they get to me. They need a tune-up. WordTune gives me a snappier copy for ads, and I also occasionally use it for work email. So I get the more formal tone that I sometimes slip out of, but is good for boundaries. WordTune makes your writing more efficient and reduces misunderstandings. When can your team use WordTune? WordTune improves the performance of any project, from internal emails and press releases to sales outreach and customer service support. You can use WordTune anywhere you're writing online, including Google Docs, Slack, Outlook Web, and WhatsApp. And right now, my listeners can get 50% off WordTune for teams at wordtune.com friends. You can try WordTune for free at wordtune.com friends, but this 50% discount is only available for a limited time and only available to teams. You may never see a discount like this again. Your team can start writing better right away for 50% off. That's half price. Wordtune.com slash friends. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Made For. A lot of the time, the promises we make to ourselves are the hardest to keep. Even the stuff we know is good for us, we don't make time for. But what if you could make the things that are good for you a habit? rather than a goal. Made For is a better way to create new habits that benefit your body and your mind. Each month you receive a kit with a 21-day challenge with one small action to do every day that you can easily integrate into your normal routine. No apps, screens, or devices required. These simple tasks shift your mindset and behaviors slowly over time so you actually stick to your new habits long-term. Made for uses neuroscience and positive psychology to support positive habits around gratitude, mental clarity, movement, and so much more. Focus on one theme each month to help achieve your fullest, happiest life over the course of 10 months. It's the wellness program you only need to do once. See results that last a lifetime with Made For. And right now, Made For is offering our listeners 50% off your order with promo code FRIENDS. Payment is flexible. This promotion applies whether you order an intro box or the full program. Go to getmadefor.com and take control of your well-being. Use promo code FRIENDS at checkout for 15% off. That's getmadefor.com, promo code FRIENDS. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. 
Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. I do want to talk about some other characters on the show um, that kind of round out uh, our experience of this town and help you know illuminate what Miri's experience is. Um, her parents are, now I don't know if there's a stereotype about what parents would be like for someone that has just been released from incarceration, but they're not that, (laughs) whatever I thought, (laughs) Yeah. whatever I thought, um, they would be, um, you know, Oscar is a, uh, righteous environmentalist, um, kind of passionate even slight spoiler alert for passion um (laughs) and a little in his own head right yeah and caroline is her mother and i think i'm not spoiling anything to say she's having an affair with mary's high school boyfriend yeah in the first season yeah Yeah, that's what she's doing (laughs) yeah so some unusual circumstance right yeah and I wonder, like, the pieces that are in play there. Um, I think Caroline is the most interesting one to me. Mm. Because, how do I say this? It's not that she's not sympathetic. I care about everyone on the show. But she's a tough love, let's say. For sure. For sure. Yeah. She's very selfish, isn't she? She behaves in a selfish, <laughs> I mean, extremely selfish way. Um, what, I mean, I, I guess part of me wonders, you know, you're a woman and this show is largely created by women and to put kind of an unsympathetic female character in there. Like I always appreciate it when women do that because I think there's yeah. more subtlety there. I mean, I love know. Caroline and I love that she's the sexual character of the show. You know, she's the one who's got I was going to bring that up too. <laughs> she's got a voracious appetite. You know, everyone would expect it to be the me you know <laughs> but actually Mary's really sort of a, a total innocent and her mum you know wants wants sexual satisfaction in her life and she's you know disconnected emotionally I think and um she's just she hasn't got a purpose and so she her purpose has been about her sexual identity really and how to feel you know her, her way of dealing with everything has been to sort of seek pleasure elsewhere and so the whole over the span of two seasons we see her kind of grow up I think we see her find her own identity and sort of figure out who she is and what she wants because she doesn't really know what she's doing and it's only when Mary's back that she can actually has she has to confront really all the things that she's done wrong and who she really is um but yeah it felt really felt really good me and Laura felt really excited to write the character that's the voracious the sexual one to be the older woman um and not the older man and not the younger woman (laughs) it felt right and it felt important and and she is very sexy I will say that she's like she's gorgeous yes she carries it off like totally you're I'm believing that uh 30 something, you know, 40 something guy would find her hot. Sure. Like it's completely wrong. I mean, not the ages, but you know, like, yeah, uh, it's not great morally. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not, it's very funny because my, um, my dad gets, is compared a lot to Oscar. And my mom said, Hmm. somebody asked me if I was like Caroline the other day. Well, I I wasn't going to go there about your mom. I am curious about Oscar. I actually feel like Oscar may be a kind of type. I mean, my, I guess it's interesting to me. He's sort of emotionally distant, but he's also kind of the one of the two of them that seems to have more empathy for Mary's experience. Yeah, I think Caroline's really angry with Mary for what it took from her life. And that's what comes out in season one. She finally explodes. And that's a brilliant moment, really, because then they can sort of start again because she actually goes, you know what? Yes. <laughs> you know, I hated you for what you did kind of thing. And I think that's really important because then once that's said, they can sort of, she kind of Mary's grateful because it's like, well, now you finally, there's, there's no, there's less repression in this house. 
you've just shouted and cried and told me you hate me. That's much, much more constructive than, um, than bottling everything up. But Oscar is, um, you know, Oscar is quite, I think he's able to switch off his emotions. Uh, but yeah, he's, uh, he's, he puts it all into the environment, doesn't he? <laughs> all of it. Yeah. All of it. You know, I could ask about each individual character because I am curious and I, I care about all of them, but I'm, I want to know more about the creation of the show. Cause this is your baby. Like you created it, you write it, you're in it. What has that experience been like for you to carry something all that way? It's been amazing, actually. It's, you know, the, I look back at the beginning and I think, gosh, it was so, you know, you're trying to find the tone and the shape and all the things. Um, but it's been an amazing experience. And I've been, you know, you, there's a million people involved in the creation of a show. You know, I'd like to take all the credit, but that would be a complete lie. <laughs> I'm very selfish and wrong because the truth of it is, is there's so many people go into making a show and you really learn that when you're when you're doing what I've been doing, you really sort of go, oh my goodness, if it wasn't for Chris Sweeney at the beginning when we'd shot the first taste of tape who sat there patiently with me deciphering my visual, you know, trying to, trying to explain what I wanted it to be and, you know, and then made that happen with that, with the taste of tape that got the commission and then the first season. And then, you know, you have Sarah Hammond and two brothers and Harry Williams and all these people who are kind of sitting there like helping you get this, this idea out and then when we got the commission I am um, I, I was eight months pregnant and just phoned Laura and said I needed someone else on this because I, I wanted to do it all myself and then it became obvious that wasn't going to be beneficial really like the more clever people you can get in a room <laughs> the better so then Laura stepped in and was just amazing so from the beginning it's been this kind of um mad and excellent journey of lots of people really so too many to name who are just who just step in tune in to what you're doing and then help you get this thing out of your head and so it's an incredible experience and like uh, yeah I never thought I didn't think I was going to have that experience either I'd kind of almost given up so um yeah it's been amazing (laughs) I want to talk about the almost giving up part well, I just thought, oh, because I, I, I'd had my first kid and I'd sort of, try, I'd, I'd tried to write loads of things and no one had wanted anything. And I thought, oh, well, you know, oh, here I go, really. I was pushing a pram around the park going, well, that's, I, I might have missed that moment, you know? And then, um, and then just plugged on and also, you know, two brothers amazingly kind of stuck, stuck with me and kept saying, no, just keep, come back with, keep, keep pitching us ideas. And then one day, you know, I did pitch this idea, which I pitched quite a few strange things to them that, that they weren't that sure about. <laughs> and they were like, oh, now this is interesting. And we all had a very aligned, we sat and discussed the tone and how we'd want it to look. And 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 then suddenly that, you know, that's from that little seed. It took six years or something from there. But it did then, it did start, to be, it started to happen. But yeah, I, I, I know there were loads of points where I thought, oh, oh, well, <laughs> I had my shot. <laughs> so yeah, so just... Just the fact that it's even happened is is really like oh my goodness I can't believe it, um, but yeah. And as a woman in film and you know really enjoying with the last season, we 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 sort of suddenly turned around one day and we were like, there's all these amazing women. This is so much. There's all these kind women in charge. This is brilliant. <laughs> so it's been cool. Did this idea feel different than others? Because you said you'd tr- you you had tried others, you'd pitched a lot of, I think you said weird or strange things. Yeah. Um, but did this feel to you like this is the thing that's going to get made? Yeah. Well, I felt like I felt like when we were talking, because um, Harry and Sarah, we talked so much about the kind of show we want to make. So we knew our inspiration. You know, we were on the same page tonally. You know, visually, tonally, the kind of things that we really liked. So we talked a lot about that and this one fitted that in a really lovely way because it had the, it just had this darkness. Um, but what was, I think as a writer, I'm, I'm fundamentally a character writer. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not a plot writer particularly. I, I write sort of details and the things I'm obsessed with, the little ca- characterful moments and human things and people, whether they're kind or, you know, like there's just the detail that I think I get really, caught up in and the great thing about this idea was that you could actually you've got the dramatic premises there and then you can just write relationships <laughs> you know so it, it did feel right and and um and then we all talked and developed it you know and talked about it for ages together and it just started to kind of take off but it took years you know, these things take so long you know 
at one point Marie had a brother and then she didn't have a brother. I was going to say, I was going to ask about what, what kind of significant changes happened along the way. She had a brother and then I realized that the relationship I was trying to write for the brother was this really like pally relationship. And it was like, everyone kept gently saying she wouldn't have that if she'd been in prison for 18 years. <laughs> so that, so we, we, we had to get rid of the brother, which was sad, but then it was right because actually it, the, that was a crucial thing because he was one of the big parts really. But then it was this slightly in, then, then all the focus is on this only child and actually it just worked much better for the show. Are you an only child? No, I'm one of six. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And you come from like a showbiz family, right? Well, my dad's a director. Um, but it's funny, it feels like such an unshowbiz family because my the rest of my family, and when you've got such a big family and if there's only one of you, it doesn't feel like a showbiz family. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm not a mathematics yeah. family. My dad's a mathematician, so it doesn't right, make yeah, it a mathematics yeah, no. family. Yeah. Yes, no, exactly. <laughs> no, but my, yeah, my dad's a director, but my mum's like an Aussie Australian painter, like sort of um, stained glass artist and uh, artist, and then everyone else did completely different things, so... Yeah. <laughs> well, the one thing, though, about having a family member in any profession, let's say, actually, just have, being close to a profession that's maybe a little outside most people's experience. Like, I know more about math and, like, university life than most people, probably, right? Yeah. Like, and you were exposed to, scripts. you know, acting in the arts and scripts no, um, totally. in a way that most people aren't. Absolutely. And my... And my question is, did you always want to do that? Yeah, I wanted to write. And also, you know, I did all my drawings on the back of scripts. That's what I drew on, you know. So I, we wrote our tea house. My parents were like, don't watch telly and, you know, just make your own fun, basically. So here's the, here's the paper. Here's the pens. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> um, so I would do all my drawings on the back of scripts. So I was always reading these pages of scripts. So I kind of grew up with that, I suppose. And I loved writing. So I'd always write short stories and poems and do terrible plays for my family and make them watch them and gym routines. So I think, yeah, I wanted to perform and I wanted to write. Um, but I never got into any school plays or anything. <laughs> okay. Can you tell me anything about these plays that you performed as a child? Oh, they were so bad. They were just, there was one, <laughs> I, they were just, they were fully improvised, no planning. I think I said this the other day in an interview. So, uh, but, but I did this, um, I did this play one day because my dad did a film called The Mystery of, um, sorry, no, that's my play. My dad did a film called The Blood. My dad did a film called The Blood on Satan's Claw um, and it was a bit of a sort of um, uh, cult kind of hammer horror film and we had the claw in the dressing up, you know, a big pile of dressing up secondhand clothes and I used to do plays with the claw and one of them was called The Mystery of the Scratched Boob and it was just me going, oh, there's a scratch on my boob and it went on and on and on and then one day... <laughs> My dad just stood up and was like, this is rubbish. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> you haven't got a good story. You're just talking about scratches on boobs. I'm out. <laughs> Work on your stories. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Monk Pack. Healthy snacks have a bad reputation. And let's be honest, most don't taste very good. They don't fill you up and they certainly don't satisfy your cravings. But this episode is sponsored by Monk Pack, who makes snacks that taste like your favorite sugary treats, but with one gram of sugar or less. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars contain just one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 140 calories. They're gluten-free, grain-free, plant-based, and non-GMO with no soy, trans fat, sugar, alcohols, or high-intensity sweeteners. While they're great for anyone following a keto lifestyle, they're also the perfect snack for anyone who's trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars have a soft and chewy texture and come in delicious flavors like coconut cocoa chip, peanut butter, and blueberry almond vanilla. My favorite thing about them, they don't compensate for having low sugar by loading up on sugar alcohols like a lot of bars do. They don't have an overly sweet chemical aftertaste. They taste like what they're supposed to taste like. They're perfect for a quick breakfast, a snack between Zoom calls, or dessert. They taste incredible and you can't beat the low sugar nutrition they provide. Ordering online means you can avoid another trip to the grocery store. Sign up for a subscription to your favorite flavors and get 10% off every order. Order. Try it for yourself and you'll see 
we have a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering code WFLT at checkout. Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange your product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. To get started, go to monkpack.com and that's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com and select any product. Then enter code WFLT at checkout and save 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. With Friends Like These is brought to you by ZocDoc. When you need a doctor, you need a doctor now. Not in a few days, not in a few weeks, and definitely not in a few months. If you need to see an MD ASAP, there's a solution. Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or video chat. Never wait on hold with a receptionist again. Whether you need a primary care physician, a dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or another specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com friends and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash friends and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash friends. With Friends Like These is brought to you by the How to Buy a Home podcast. Buying your first home can feel daunting, unrealistic, and confusing. As I have mentioned before, I bought a house this year in the Austin, Texas real estate market where houses sell in hours and not days. It was completely nerve wracking and I felt like I was both walking on eggshells and on a high wire. I was on an eggshell high wire, which is why I highly recommend listening to the How to Buy a Home podcast. The How to Buy a Home podcast is essentially a free playbook of the do's and don'ts to buying your first home. No matter if you're clueless on how to start or deep in the mess, just looking for clarity, host David Sedoni is an industry insider with years of experience who actually cares about first-time home buyers and wants to help them beat the system that is rigged against them. He answers questions like, do I really need to put 20% down? The answer is no. Most people only put down 3.5% and David will tell you how. How much over asking should I offer? Are we in a bubble that is about to burst? How and where do I start? If you're thinking about buying a home next month, next year, or in five years, listen to the How to Buy a Home podcast today. This is your best bet to avoid being one of those horror stories and get an insider playbook with clear, no BS, real information. Find How to Buy a Home wherever you listen to podcasts. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. How did you come to craft in terms of writing? I mean, I wrote really silly things as a child as well. (laughs) Um, And there comes a point, you know, when you realize that writing isn't just about expressing yourself. Totally. It's really hard. It is. (laughs) It is. Yeah. I mean, I wrote loads of things that didn't have any structure. That was my thing. I couldn't do structure at all. And I tell you what, Laura Solon has taught me so much because she was amazing with Back to Life. She totally understood it was my baby and that I was going to be a bit annoying and a bit precious about stuff. So she's got, she had no ego about it. And she, but she is so clever 
and she was such a sister and such a genius and she's slowly I feel like by working with her I've really sort of learned so much about she'd be like well that's not moving forward and then I'd be like well I didn't understand and then I'd be like oh and now I you know I really feel like she taught me so much because she had an understanding of of some fundamentals with writing that I just didn't have you know I could write a scene but I couldn't really you know and then that you know and then I started to find myself thinking in a story and I was like oh this is so much so much better (laughs) so it's really hard writing (laughs) it is writing well yeah it's really hard yeah, yeah writing, no, writing badly is like awesome that's fine. Like, yeah, that's great <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah I wonder if you can give an example of that the shaping of something from you know the, the an idea a good idea a creative idea to something that is moving a plot forward I, I know that might be yeah. hard but like well I'm trying to think of an example just, from the show I'm trying to think like for instance it, uh, she figured out quite early that if we planned it too much, I would not do what we planned. So I, <laughs> I seem to want to, I seem to, you know, I seem to basically want it to surprise me as much as it would surprise someone else. So there was a moment where we planned something and then I phoned her and said, I've just killed the neighbor. <laughs> She's just died. And Laura was like, I, I sometimes saw Laura as like the person, like the forensic, um, the person coming in to clean up after you've done a murder. She'd be like, all right, Daisy, hand over. <laughs> I'm going in, but on her gloves. And then she'd help me make that make, you know, she'd, she'd help. She'd go, well, you know what? It's funny. It's good. It's surprising. Let's make it work. You know, that's so interesting because that's one of my favorite scenes, actually. <laughs> that was my favorite to write because suddenly I was like oh she's dead it's like can we do this can we get away with it how are you I'm I'm good thanks fresh start new beginnings well it's a a lovely day so isn't it crisp oh it's nothing quite like winter sun is there Mm. how are you oh I feel fabulous thank you for asking oh I'm so glad Light as a feather, clean as a whistle, inside and out. Oh. <laughs> I do wonder, though, sometimes. Oh, what do you wonder? I wonder what it's like being a harlot, slut, killer, a man-stealer. All right, you're obviously having a bad day, so I'm, I'm not going to take offence. Oh, I'm very well, right now, never being better. Just a woman in her prime taking a good, hard look at a psycho, husband-stealing fuck biscuit, casually bathing her sin in the sun while she should be rotting to death in a prison cell. Sorry, can you just stop it now? Stop it. Rot, 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 dirty little prison killer. You don't know anything about me. Just leave me alone. Stop being so mean. You will always be alone. Oh, fuck off and die. Anna? Anna? Because <laughs> it, it, it manages to combine a lot of the elements of the show, right? Like, yeah. It, it, the themes of the show, although Miri doesn't talk much during it. Although that is kind of fitting too. That's fine. She gets talked at a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, and it is a surprise. And it, it also, it, it's a scene that evokes a lot of like un- discomfort, right? Yeah. Um, and because the character, I don't want to say too much about it, I guess. Well, we've yeah, already. So I think it's okay. We already, neighbor season, dies. Spoiler alert for people having. <laughs> That's seen. okay. You don't know which neighbor. You don't know which side. that's right that's right but there's the discomfort of um feeling empathy for miri and all the hatred that she's subjected to right yeah and then there's just like she's an annoying neighbor like almost a sitcom trope right yeah 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 (laughs) and then she dies and then she just dies dead which is funny when it happens shocking but (laughs) Also, we go circle around to like Mary's plight, right? Yeah. Like it can't be funny for a long time because because it's her. She's in all this. It's her. Yeah. And if she's near yeah. anybody or anything like that, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the second season, but it, we make it as hard for Mary as we can possibly make it. You know, <laughs> it, we think you give her a hard time in the first one. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we really do put her through it. But yeah, because there are things that you know that just can't happen near somebody who's been in prison for murder. 
um, there's just things that they can't be near to, near to or be part of because if they are, they're going back in for life and no one's going to believe them, um, I think. So, yeah, that's what that scene does as well, isn't it? Yeah. You mentioned that the show's about redemption uh, and it's about redemption and forgiveness and trust, I think. Well, people um, tell me that and I suppose it, it's pretty, pretty much is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, then you tell me what is it No, about? no, no. I mean, I think it is. No, no, no. I didn't mean it like that. I mean that I'm not very, when I'm writing, I don't really think, I don't sort of write down themes, if you know what I mean. And then it becomes really apparent that I really care about forgiveness. <laughs> you know, people are like, God, you really care. And I was like, oh, is it that obvious? Oh, yeah, I suppose I do. <laughs> I'm just not very analytical. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it is. And I think it's about, you know, second chances and uh, everyone actually in it at some point needs to be forgiven for their behavior, don't they? I suppose it does really, um, it really is about that. It's pretty much <laughs> quite heavily about that, whether it's her mother or the ex-boyfriend mm -hmm. or whoever. Have you ever done something unforgivable? Well, you don't have to say you, what it is. Yeah, no, I, 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 I don't, I feel like, I feel like I really care about not doing something unforgivable, probably to, to like a crazy degree, if that makes sense. Like I'm obsessed with loyalty. I'm obsessed with all those things. I'm sure I have to somebody, but I can't think of anything. Um, I think if you betray a confidence, I find that's, I've, you know, I've done that before and, and then felt terrible, you know because that's not something I do. Do you know what I mean? But I don't, I haven't, mm -hmm. um, not in the way that Miriam, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm sure I have, but I can't, I think I'm probably quite obsessed with not doing unforgivable things. <laughs> I try and live my well, life <laughs> as, as forgivable as possible. <laughs> How about you? Oh, I have for sure. Um, <laughs> we all have, well, there's right, things sure. that I've done that I haven't forgiven myself for. Oh yeah. That's tough. That one. Yeah. I think that's a lot harder. Yeah. And that kind of gets me back to another question about Mary and, and maybe something that you might want to say something about as well, which is that I think one of the reasons we love her so much is that is in that optimism, in that I'm going to give it a go, she's actually really forgiving. Yes. She's she is. very gracious. She is she's a accepting. very gracious person. I yeah. think that's true. She's very accepting of people's flaws. And I think the thing about whether you're not done something unforgivable, that would also relate to how hard you are on yourself, right? So you may be really hard on yourself. So you think what you've done is unforgivable. I may not be, so I might be like, yeah, I forgive myself everything. It's no, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It depends on how hard yeah. people are on themselves. Well, you know, I, what I was going to say is that sometimes, you know, the hardest thing is actually forgiving, right? Yeah. Um, have you ever forgiven someone something that was hard yeah I have but then I, I then I couldn't you know I remember trying to forgive somebody for cheating on me and then finding it and then and then realizing that I, although I had sort of forgiven them I couldn't forget forget and forgetten it <laughs> I couldn't forget you know I, I and so I remember feeling kind of sad because I was like I've I've really tried but I just it's something's gone now um, you know, I've had those moments in life where I've tried to forgive. And then also sometimes someone just does something and I think, oh, no, I don't think you're very nice. <laughs> and then I've gone, oh, I'm tougher than I thought, you know. Um, but, yeah, it depends. And it? I was, so you, you said you go into this show not really like with huge ideas you want to explore, which I think is a, a great way to approach storytelling, by the way. Like you're not like I want to write about forgiveness, right? No, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. writing about a character. I wonder if there's anything that you surprised yourself with as far as the thoughts about, about forgiveness or about um, mm. the ways that people hurt each other, the ways that people help each other. Are they, have, have you learned anything from writing the show besides the nuts and bolts of storytelling, which is super important? I think that... Um I think I learned, this is going to sound so cheesy, but I think I learned how much I care about kindness. <laughs> like I was like, I really want, you know, and I like, and things having, because even when you're writing something as you're crafting it, you're like, oh no, that's a bit cruel. I want it. I want this to feel warm in the heart of it. And I didn't know how much I cared about that until I write, until we were writing it. Does that make any sense? So I didn't want it to be, 
clever and shiny I was like I know I would choose I would choose this being lower key but with a big like in the end people feeling warmth and I didn't realize how much I I I cared about that I I would choose that over it being cool any second of the, the day I think that's something I I felt and then I think there's probably other things that after a few years if I watch it again because I'm too close to it still that I'll go oh gosh that's interesting I didn't know that you know oh I was sort of saying that we were saying that why were we saying you know what I mean I think that will probably happen um do you think you're a kinder person coming out of the other end of two seasons I don't know or maybe uh, yeah or maybe it combined with like having kind of I don't know with my kids and suddenly like things in my so things for me in my head shifting and sort of my um my personal priorities shifting you know um maybe but I I don't know but I definitely made it definitely filled me I don't know it definitely made me feel like oh I want this show to be really human I want people to feel feel you know because because it's a tough subject it's lots of things but I want them to feel like that I did feel like that. I wanted to feel warmth at the end. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks. A big thanks to Daisy Haggard for talking to me and for putting a face on a story of redemption. Again, the show is back to life on Showtime and the season finale for season two is airing on Monday, October 18th. Andy Gardner-Bernstein is our producer. Patrick Antonetti is our audio editor. And please, take care of yourselves. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale. Even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's gonna be great.